Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World episode 79. I'm your host, John Jordan, and I'm very excited this week because we have Roham and Katie from Dapper Labs. How's it going? It's going really well. Good to be here. It's great. So, so this is a, a, a momentous day. Um, it, is, it is the, uh, the launch day for uh, MBA Topshop. And it is, that is the first uh, product going live on Dapper Labs' new Flow blockchain. So um, I'm sure it's, it's been a long time for you guys to, to get to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to talk a bit about uh, kind of flows of blockchain and, and, and focus also on, on uh, MBA uh, Topshop as, uh, as a product. Um, just to break things up uh, and, and make sure we're not kind of talking over each other, I, I think I'll probably uh, go with Flow to begin with. So, so, so Rohan... Um, can you tell us a bit about um, kind of the decision to come up with with a, a new blockchain? Obviously, CryptoKitties was the thing that kind of launched uh, Ethereum as a kind of as a kind of collectible as, as a blockchain where you could create these collectible experiences. CryptoKitties still, um, you know, two and a half years on, very successful on Ethereum. Um, but but for a long time, you've been thinking um, that you wanted to you wanted to create your own blockchain. Um, so so can you delve a little bit into the thinking behind that? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's pretty simple, really. I mean, when we built CryptoKitties, uh, we didn't have we we uh, haven't decided. Hey, we need to build our own blockchain, and we really tried to use all of the tools and platforms out there. But um, from the perspective of an application developer, a game developer, um, someone that wants to build consumer products rather than currencies or or tokens um, or sort of ICOs, I think we felt most of the platforms out there were were really lacking and. Uh, made things harder for for creators like us. So so that's why we built Flow. It's sort of the the platform we wish we had, the blockchain we wish we had um, in the CryptoKitties days. And uh, MBA Topshot is just a demonstration of uh, sort of how smooth the user experience can be, how how uh, you can make uh, products that are uh, an average MBA fan doesn't even need to know that it's a crypto enabled product or it's or it's based on a blockchain, um, but they can come buy, sell, trade. Um, and sort of get the benefits of uh, a crypto marketplace without um, without 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 knowing until the moment that they need to know. So uh, when they actually want to cash out and and uh, and take their stuff out. So it's really a network built from the ground up for user experience. Um, it's built to make it easy for developers to build uh, high quality applications and to uh, make it easy for customers to to actually come into those products and um, and and you know, not be afraid of getting. Uh, taken advantage of or, or hacked and uh, losing their assets. Mm-hmm. So I guess, uh, um, without putting words in your mouth, it's it kind of has the you know all the advantages that we kind of I guess learn from Ethereum that you would want with a blockchain, but it it, it deals with all the kind of issues around um, kind of a speed and throughput and and uh, create you know, wallet creation all that sort of stuff that, that have clearly been an obstacle. It's in, it's an interesting time in the industry, I think, because um, lots of people have gone through the same process uh, uh, as as Dapper Labs. Um, seeing what Ethereum, you know, kind of um, spawned, I suppose, and then um, coming up with people have come up with various different blockchains. And in fact, you know, for the current, um, you know, for the rest of the year, for the, for the next six months, really, we've got a whole bunch of other different blockchains launching. All have slightly different kind of use use cases. Um, some are some are you know uh, similar to Flow in terms of being focused on on kind of DApps. Some are um, uh, have a slightly different focus. Um, I, I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway because I want to know see how you kind of contextualize it. Um, do, do, do you kind of think that 
if kind of two years ago you knew that all these other things would be launching things like well obviously ETH2 is is, is whenever that's going to come out that's going to be a big change there's Cardano there's there's Near there's um, all these other kind of blockchains um, Avalanche I can't kind of kind of run out of <laughs> run out of names um, but um, do you do you think that 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 Flow is has something different to 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 um, bring to DApp developers that none of these other other ones do and and presuming you do um, what what is that thing that it does that none of these other um, third generation blockchains do? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, to be honest, we spoke with most of these founders and, and most of these teams. Uh, we went deep on over 100 different uh, white papers and, and proposals for uh, for scaling blockchains and before deciding that that we needed to build flow. So so I'll, I'll answer your question in, in two parts. One is the technology and one is the go to market. Um, on the technology side, you know, all of the blockchains you mentioned uh, are, are scaling through, through really one mechanism through breaking up the network and making it into smaller networks that then communicate with each other asynchronously. So they're taking Ethereum one, uh, Ethereum today is a synchronous model. Every smart contract can talk to every other smart contract and developers can just write smart contracts without having to worry about how they're going to interact with, um, with, with everything else. They're sort of Lego pieces. This is why they call them, you know, money, Legos, De DeFi, all of these things are based on this concept of composability. You can, you can, plug and play these pieces. Um, but what sharding does is, uh, and, and you know, networks like near college sharding networks like Polkadot, you know, actually put every, uh, create different blockchains for, for different applications, uh, Cosmos, same thing. Um, what this does is it forces the application developers. So someone like us building CryptoKitties or MBA Topshot, um, or someone building a wallet, um, to have to worry about uh, the, the, the ecosystem in which the application lives. So the products either become, they, either they're not composable or, or they're much more difficult to write, um, much more, uh, it's, it's, you have to worry about um, all kinds of different interactions that might happen, state that might change um, between shards or, or between chains. Um, and it becomes a much more difficult programming model. So Flow is the only blockchain out there that can be fully decentralized um, so we don't have limits on uh, participation. I mean, in the early days we do, but the, the architecture is designed to scale. So anybody can uh, come run a flow node, be part of the network, uh, stake and get paid. Uh, but at the same time, we don't have to break the network up. We don't have to resort to this um, idea of sharding. So that's a, that's a fundamentally new uh, technology architecture. So essentially, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 that's kind of what we came up with and have spent the last you know, year and a half or, or two um, proving, and that's what's in uh, production right now with, with MBA Top Shot. Um, but without getting into the details of the architecture, the benefit to developers uh, is it doesn't is it keeps their lives uh, straightforward and uh, and uh, and and does give them the speed and sort of throughput that they that they expect. Um, on the go to market side, when we're talking to all of these teams, um, nobody very very few of these teams have. Um, have have a uh, sort of applications in mind for the networks that they're developing. Um, I mean, now they're sort of everybody's trying to jump on the the DeFi train, but um, you know they're they're trying to build um, general purpose platforms and and don't have a clear idea of you know this is how we bring users, this is why those users come, this is how those users find new applications on the platform. Um, and as app developers, we were we didn't feel confident betting on. Um, we still don't betting on a single network because if you get it wrong, you're sort of by yourself. Um, you don't have an ecosystem of wallets. You don't have an ecosystem of on-ramps, of off-ramps. 
um, of, of other developers building on your tools. Um, you have, you know, a lot of these networks sort of use um, different programming models. So you have this kind of friction to come in and, and use your application. So we, we, we knew we could bring uh, at least some users. So, uh, you know, we, we felt like uh, we can bet on ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, with our partners, we felt like we can create a critical mass. So that's sort of what we've done with Flow, where, you know, obviously we're bringing CryptoKitties. We have MBA, we have UFC, we have Dr. Seuss. Um, but then we have uh, part, uh, over 100 partners that they themselves are bringing millions of users to, to the blockchain. So, you know, just last week we announced Animoca is bringing Stargirl. That's an existing game with a uh, million monthly actives. Um, they're building. They're bringing their upcoming MotoGP game. So MotoGP is um, a, an, an amazing license with a with a great community. Um, we have the largest Thai exchange, uh, uh, Bitcup, which has uh, partnered with the top sort of YouTube influencers in Thailand. So people with over 40 million followers, um, and they're we're helping them set up a sort of social currency NFT uh, loyalty program that uh, that that can engage sort of those 40 million people. So we have, you know, a hundred of these big kind of partnerships. Um, and then we have a, uh, the right developer tools that can help people actually get set up without needing to worry about the, um, the sort of innards of the system. You don't have to read our hundred page, you know, technical white papers and, and, you know, understand how the, how the security model works. You can just go to docs.onflow.org and, you know, look at, click on the playground and start, um, start, start going through tutorials. So. We didn't really see any teams that were taking that sort of approach in mind. And, and you know, it, it's obviously we're on Ethereum. We're, we're always going to be uh, related to Ethereum in some way. Um, and so we're, we're always going to contribute back to that ecosystem. But making a bet on anything other than Ethereum, the current 1.0 Ethereum, is, uh, is there's just not enough uh, critical mass around anything. So um, and there certainly wasn't two years ago. Mm. Excellent. No, that's, a, that's a very good uh, explanation of where you guys are coming from. I'm not technical, but I think it, it is worth people having a quick uh, overview of the, not the entire 100-page white paper, but um, but the, the, the consensus model, uh, the way you've kind of built that, to me, seemed seemed um, an interesting approach. So worth looking at that, even if you're not technical. Uh, but let's get on to, to, to product um, um, now. We've kind of had some of the abstracting about, about flow. Um, so, uh, Katie, um, how, did, how did the idea for um, MBA uh, Top Shop come about? So it feels kind of obvious if you're a basketball fan, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm not. Let's assume some of our audience are not are not basketball fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a basketball fan or you're a football fan, um, I mean that in the soccer way. If you're an American football fan, um, the things that you love about that sport. Um, are kind of that dynamic action that happens on the field or on the court. Um, and so when we think about what we want to build, we start with a really fan-centric approach. Um, what would people who like basketball like? Um, and the answer there is super obvious. It's um, they love, you know, the most spectacular plays. They love bragging rights. Um, they love talking about who has the best stuff or who has the best team. And so we, what we really tried to do is translate that into a basketball product for basketball fans. Um, and like Roham said, that is, has this blockchain underpinning that gives them all of these different extra value propositions, but without them having to really get deep into blockchain themselves, they, you know, they understand that 
they now have these great collections and they can, you know, buy and sell from each other and they can um, put together these, you know, um, you know, these amazing sets and, um, and they don't really have to think about blockchain at all. But when they go to do those actions, it's really blockchain that's allowing them to do that. So we started with what would a fan love? And then we said, how do we make that better with blockchain? And if we can't do that, we shouldn't do this project um, because it has to make it better. And it did. And it does. And did, was basketball, did that kind of stand out as as a kind of kind of collectible because uh because obviously there's, you know, there's all the big kind of US sports and, and 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 some of them are already involved in 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 other blockchain projects. So so it was like NBA the kind of one of the ones that was left, or or did you think there was something particular about kind of basketball that that, that made it a good fit? No, not at all. Um, the NBA is extremely progressive um, from a uh, from a technology perspective. They often are leading the way. Um, their players are extremely progressive. You hear all the time about. Um, players investing in the tech space and participating in the tech space. Um, you know, we have players who are investors in our company as well. Um, and so basketball was an obvious fit. It took us a long time to come up with how the relationship was going to work and those kind of pieces. Um, but this project has been ongoing um, for over two years now. And so uh, we're really finally getting to this point of fruition where we found the right partner and we found the right product and now we're bringing it um, to more users. Mm. And I guess also it doesn't have the kind of the the problem that a lot of uh, North American sports have that they are very North American centric. So I guess with, with kind of baseball, you do have the kind of Japan, um, like baseball and some, uh, I don't know, but basketball is actually, for those kind of sports, is actually quite global. Obviously China has got massive, uh, but even in Europe, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of basketball as well. Yeah. The whole base of, of basketball players themselves is getting more and more international. If you look like at players like Luka Doncic from um, Slovenia, and you look at, um, you know, even way back, Tony Parker from France, um, there are, you know, players from Latin America, there are players from Asia, they're, the players themselves are from all over the world, it makes it really easy to get into. Um, and the fan base is super global. Um, there are people from all over the world who really love basketball. And um, it makes it it makes the path easier for us, for sure, to be able to reach fans all over the place. Um, it's, I would say it's probably one of the least North American centric of the North American sports. Um, and we definitely are going to benefit from that. Yeah. So, so I, I, um, as, as I've kind of fessed up, I, I don't really know anything about um, basketball. In fact, the only things I know about basketball really are what I've been, what I've learned through playing the, uh, <laughs> the beta of, of, of the game. So, um, so you're doing some education on me, but um, uh, can you kind of, uh, how does how does the thing actually work? So what do, what do we what do I do? I kind of you know to, for for a user who's who's coming in, they create a, a you know a, a password and a, and, a, and a email and password to kind of set up. Um, they get into they they log in. Um, what happens? What what are they kind of presented with? What's the kind of um, the kind of flow that you're trying to encourage them to get excited about? Um, for sure. And I'll say before I get into that, that you're certainly not the first person that has said that they've gotten interested in basketball from Top Shot. So I think we're starting a new um, a new group of crypto centric basketball fans, which I love. Um, so that's super fun. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll talk to you about kind of what the journey I took is, which is, you know, username and password. There's no additional plugins. Um, I'm non-technical. So even plugging something into Chrome was um, an enormous lift for me when I, you know, first um, first started, you know, playing around with CryptoKitties, even as an employee at Axiom Zen. 
Um, so username and password, you can get in and see what's available from the uh, perspective of packs. And in packs, you're going to get a variety of content, um, a variety of moments. And some of those are going to be more common and some of them are going to be special editions. Part of the fun um, is opening packs. I think anyone who has played a game that has some kind of loot box mechanic to it loves that. Um, it's The mechanic we've chosen is not quite loot box, but um, it, there's still a lot of surprise oriented. And as you find the thing that you want in there, it's pretty exciting. Um, when we released the Cosmic packs, which were kind of our first um, really scarce moments. Um, I pulled a Rui Hachimura, who's the first Japanese basketball player from um, from that pack, and I was beyond excited about it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I was like, I can't even believe my luck that this first pack that I opened is the exact thing that I wanted. Um, I will say I am not always that lucky, but in that case, I was. Um, and so uh, you pull some stuff from packs. Maybe you're trying to finish a challenge. Um, the way we have challenges set up are that if you have all of kind of the right moments um, in that challenge, if you have the, a full set, then uh, you can access a reward that you can't buy. So that's exciting too. It's um, it's a little kind of prize, uh, which in some cases is a really valuable prize. And we only mint a certain amount of those. Uh, and so you may end up with something actually even more rare than you expected, which is exciting. Um, if you didn't pull all of the things you need out of packs, you can go to the marketplace and see what other collectors have listed um, and make a decision there. We kind of uh, we thread those by the, the type of moment. And so you could say, you know, I'm just trying to finish a challenge. So I'll take whatever, you know, the most affordable version of it is. Or you might say, wow, there's a version of a LeBron special edition that has his number. I'm like going to buy this number 23 LeBron. And that's super exciting. Um, so you can kind of go in either of those directions. Uh, and there's also gifting functionality. So you could trade with people if it's um, a non-cash transaction. When I go in to buy packs, I use a credit card primarily. Um, but you can also use uh, any kind of crypto wallet um, through an integration we have with Coinbase. Uh, and it just, it gives people choice. And I think that's also part of what's great about it, that it's not just pay with your credit card or you can't participate. It is pay with whatever kind of currency you want and participate in whatever way you want. And then once you own those moments, they're actually yours. And if you want to go and resell them, go ahead and make some money off of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, you've you been running um, the closed beta for, I mean, it's quite, quite, a, quite a few months now. Uh, um, I kind of got involved at the tail end of that. You've kind of now gone into, into open beta. But from the, from the beta thing, it, it seems like you uh, were pretty successful. I think it's over, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a couple of million dollars worth of, of packs have been sold. And from what I've seen, it seems like I mean I sold something on the marketplace, so so it works. As people people are buying are buying things. Um, have you been surprised at the kind of level of? Um, I mean, it's not just about the the kind of financial um, uh, the numbers involved in in terms of the money side, because obviously that that is a um, a, a uh, reflection of people's passion um, for it. But have you been surprised by that? I mean, I guess it's, it's a closed beta, so you you would you would expect people to be quite passionate about that because they're people who've kind of self-selected to get involved in, in this kind of product? Yeah, we have done um, over $2 million US dollars in, in revenue, um, which is exciting. We've actually only been in beta for two and a half months. It's only two and a so half. It feels, oh. <laughs> it feels, it feels longer like for you. 
it feels like it's aged us maybe. Um, there's been a lot of great feedback from um, the community and the community is spectacular. Um, they're vocal. Uh, many of them are um, have a, a high level of NBA fandom. Um, but I think, I don't think any of it was super surprising. I think we expected people to come into the product and I think we hoped people would come into Top Shot and say, wow, this is a different level of content quality. This is a different kind of experience. Um, it resonates with a basketball fan. And I, I think we're hearing that. Um, the things that we have to do a better job at are, um, you know, describing value and um, explaining, you know, why the things that you own are valuable. There's an intrinsic value, of course, like that Rui Hachimura, um, if you go into the marketplace, is a lot less expensive than a LeBron James. Um, so it means something more to me than maybe other people. Um, so there's always that intrinsic value, but explaining that extrinsic value a little more is something that um, we're continuing to improve on, especially for um, non-crypto native MBA fans. Um, but certainly as we, you know, ramp up the open beta and let anybody in, um, we'll get a lot of, a lot more learnings from just the volume of participants. And then as we move through the end of the year and early next year, um, you know, releasing more and more on the mobile game and how the NFTs fit into that mobile gaming experience, I think is, is going to be really exciting for people. Yeah, certainly. I just want to add something to the, um, to the revenue, the revenue mark. I mean, you know, the revenue from packs is, is more of a question of um, any inventory we're putting up is basically getting snapped up in, in less than a minute. Um, these, the, the packs are selling out very quickly and, and we're actually looking at the secondary marketplace and, and the health of the secondary marketplace as a really, really important uh, uh, sort of KPI. Um, I just looked up this morning, 50% of listings are, are, are selling within a week of, of being listed. Um, and just in the last uh, couple, less than a couple of weeks, um, we've had four LeBrons sell for uh, more than $2,000. Um, and these are... Uh, one, these are cards that have been discovered in packs of, you know, 50, 50 bucks, 25 bucks, um, or the Cosmic that Katie mentioned, $230. So it's, it's you know, the limited edition, uh, sort of the digital scarcity uh, is translating very well from uh, sort of, you know, physical trading cards down to, um, down to the, to, or, or I should say up to a, a digital version. Uh, and, and we pay as much attention to sort of how the, the, the community is doing and, and how the economy is doing as as to how much revenue that, that we're making because mm -hmm. in a sense i mean that, that that is the i mean the long-term vision for for any product but certainly a blockchain game is, is is not the fact that you can sell you can you can do primary sales to an audience because that's what games have been doing free-to-play games have been doing that for the last 10 years very successfully so, so we don't need blockchains to do that it's the it's the secondary marketplace which is which is the, which is the bit that we don't have and, and i think more generally it is interesting that we've seen um the last six months we've seen um you know quite a few kind of collectible pr products come out um some of them have been uh, kind of official licenses of real world things so we've had the kind of the uh, garbage pail kid fit stuff on on wax and wax particularly as a blockchain seems to be have built a reputation around kind of this kind of collecting thing and i mean it seems like kind of um you know uh, nfts and, and collections um i, I think it'll be, it's quite been quite surprising to see the the kind of passion uh that people have been having for these things but i think in the long term it's interesting that you guys are you know talking about a mobile game because that to me seems to be 
again going into the vision of of of, of why I'm interested in in, in blockchain um, as a kind of games person is is bringing these NFTs in, into a game. You kind of you get the collection stuff, which we, we know works, um, but then bringing that into a game brings brings all this kind of deeper, certainly um, the kind of a uh, kind of philosophical value. I guess is what you're talking about, kind of Katie, about the kind of the personal value, which is not necessarily the intrinsic financial value. But if you have a character in a game you've been playing. Then, then that kind of helps bring those two things together, and I think in a, in a, in, a, in a more holistic way. Yeah, and as we look at not just um, the NBA Top Shot mobile extension, um, but other projects we're working on, and other projects that our partners, Rohan had had mentioned, um, Stargirl, MotoGP. Um, we don't want to build the same thing over and over. And so we really want the NBA Top Shot experience in mobile to be to feel good and be endemic to basketball fandom. And then we'll look at that in the same way for UFC fandom. And Animoca will look at it in the same way for MotoGP fandom and Stargirl fandom. So it really comes back to that um, fan being at the center of the experience and what do basketball fans or what do fans of other things really love because otherwise it doesn't really matter um it has to kind of start mm. there and it is interesting because i mean um i remember when you announced the um the, the ufc kind of game and that was kind of like that seemed really interesting because obviously i guess at that point you were best known for um crypto kitties and and uh uh Cheese Wizards, both kind of internal IPs that you kind of created, and, and both kind of, you know, in their ways, kind of quite whimsical, I suppose. Um, and and uh, kind of UFC, obviously, very different. And then, then for me, the kind of really weird one, um, not not weird in the battery, but the Doctor Zeus one again seemed. Doctor Zeus is not the first, is you know, is not in the first wave of IP. I think coming to blockchains, and then we've had Animoca brands with, you know, say Star Girl, and then. Um, the sandbox has Care Bear, which is again, I mean, all these kind of building up. So, generally, have you been surprised how uh, for the, the deals that you've been looking at, that how open IP owners are to to coming to blockchain? I mean, do, do they just kind of get it, or do they just like don't care about the tech and just think this is another way for us to get licensing money? I think it's a mix, to be honest. Um, there's certainly um, an attractiveness to the space, and big sales help that. Uh, for IP rights holders to say this is worth taking the risk to enter the space. Um, we've been very serious with our partners that we intend for our experiences to be decentralized. Um, and that has taken a lot of negotiation and continues to take a lot of negotiation um, to ensure that they understand that the things that consumers own in this space, they truly own. Um, I always say it's like the jersey hanging in my closet. The NBA can't come into my house and take that jersey out of my closet. So the NBA can't come into my account and take those um, top shots away. And so I think that is the that's the hardest part for IP rights holders. Um, but it makes total sense. I spent most of my career on the other side of the table, um, having worked you know, for the NFL and the NHL and, you know, working in, in that environment where you hold the IP and it's valuable. Um, it's a great way to connect with fans in a revenue driving way. It's a great way to deepen relationships because what, what makes you have a deeper relationship than being financially incentivized to, to be a fan in some ways. Um, and so there's, there are really interesting things there and there are deep fandoms and, very strange places. So I think <laughs> the cat in the hat is the least of, of those, um, but is, you know, a beloved intellectual property. And um, we're excited about seeing how that comes to life again in a very different way from uh, a UFC mm -hmm. fighter. 
Well, yes, certainly my, my uh, educating my children about blockchain will be made easier <laughs> with, with, uh, with, with Dr. Zeus uh, available. Um, kind, of, kind of wrapping up now, I, I guess it's, um, I don't know how, uh, how keen you are on predictions. Probably no one likes predictions, but I like to ask predictive kind of questions. I mean, it seems to me that we've, you know, uh, we've gone through a few kind of, uh, um, you know, or certainly one difficult year and, and, and one kind of like a plateauing sort of year. And it seems like, you know, the, f- the first half of 2020 has had been this, Kind of explosion in in DeFi, which has which has become kind of increasingly odd <laughs> in in its own way, um, and now it seems there's been a kind of a spin off into into kind of NFTs and and all these game projects that have been you know been working on for for a number of years. There's lots of people been working on games for for two years, like you guys have, and it seems like it's kind of coming together in in, in a way that that um, is really kind of gaining momentum that we haven't really seen before. Um, so uh, I'll ask both of you, um, kind of uh, Rohan, how, how do you see the next kind of kind of six to twelve months? Do you, do you think it's going to be just a gradual um, kind of increase, a gradual acceptance that this is a kind of serious thing that all games companies should be looking at, or do you think it's going to hit, going to have that kind of potential kind of hockey stick sort of something, some product comes out, really takes off, and, and suddenly there's a kind of a whole kind of hype wheel around it? I mean, I might be biased from the CryptoKitties experience, but I think it is going to be the latter in the sense that. Um, both game companies, I mean, many game companies are looking for ways to uh, sort of change up their, their economics. I think the current economics of the game industry only really work for a subset of publishers. Um, and I don't think they work for consumers either. And so I think there's a lot of demand for the, the changes here. I just think many people have written uh, crypto and blockchain off uh, because the technology hasn't been ready. So my prediction is in the next six to 12 months, not only will you see a shift of uh, a lot of uh, gaming companies, consumer tech companies, any company that's trying, any team that's trying to build uh, sort of technology around their communities, uh, shift to crypto and blockchain. And then you'll also start seeing a decoupling of uh, crypto networks like Flow that have fundamental use cases and uh, real world companies making actual revenues and profits uh, with with the tech. Um, you'll see a decoupling of those from other you know cryptocurrencies that you know, suffer from this sort of bear market, bull market uh, up and down. Because, I mean, in as, as you know, game companies and, and entertainment doesn't go away in recessions. Um, and at the end of the day, all blockchains are and all NFTs are is a way to share ownership uh, and control in a particular uh, game or in a particular governance structure um, with the consumers. And so that doesn't, once that uh, sort of cat is left out, of, is let out of the bag, I think, it's, it's only going to compound and it won't work for every publisher. It won't work for every experience. Um, but I think the, the value, the value is really there. Um, and so I think it'll, uh, it's, it's going to be more of a flywheel. Katie, similar, similar view. Are we all, all going to the moon again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I live on the content side of the business really. And so I think we're going to see good, bad and ugly. Um, I think we'll see projects come to fruition that are, really um, great in theory, but don't work um, or aren't adopted. I think we'll see really bad projects um, with really great IP that gain just enough traction. Um, I think we'll see really exciting stuff and hopefully those are the ones that have longevity. Um, but I think I think we're gonna see from from a content perspective, we're gonna see a little bit of everything because of the um, volume of interest that we've seen in the space um, and all of the different organizations that we've talked to that 
have different fan bases and have different kinds of intellectual property. Um, I hope we see some really great uh, original content. We see some not IP driven stuff. That's really awesome. Um, I hope CryptoKitties has another wave in that as well, because that's always, you know, near and dear to our heart. And so I think I, I just think we'll see more. Lovely. Well, thank you uh, very much, uh, both of you, uh, for your time and, and uh, for giving us your predictions. Um, uh, we shall uh, put the link in uh, to uh, NBA uh, Topshop so people can uh, get themselves signed up and, and, and see what it is we've, uh, we've been banging on about. Um, and also link into, into Flow for developers who might be interested uh, to getting a bit more behind the scenes on how this thing works. Um, so uh, thanks to uh, Roham and Katie. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Thanks. It was great to join. And uh, thank you, uh, listeners, for, for listening. Uh, this is Blockchain Gaming World, uh, interviewing the people making this new uh, uh, gaming sector happen um, every week. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do subscribe. We're available through your usual podcast uh, providers. Um, and, and, and if you think we're, you enjoy us, um, a review would be lovely and help other people find the podcast. Uh, but thanks for listening uh, and come back next week.